Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. It is me, Matt, once again. I hope you are all well. We are back with four more shows to discuss. Once again this week, we have Sarah Kennedy. How are you, Sarah? Very well. And also we have uh, Dawn Glenn in the Scotland area. How are you, Dawn? I'm okay. Thank you very much for once. <laughs> <laughs> we are back once again to review TV, but we have our, our favourite preamble to start off with. And this week, Sarah had quite a glamorous encounter. And it was in the line of duty, as it were, like my normal job. We had someone to come back onto campus who used to go to university at the University of Birmingham and her name is Elizabeth Henstridge and she is an actress most notable for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. which is a big deal if you're into that sort of Marvel stuff and suddenly I had to become an expert on it overnight which is very difficult. (laughs) I was very pleased that I didn't have to give the overview of the episode that she directed so she came back to talk to our theatre drama art students. She introduced the episode that she'd directed as well as starred in Um, and it was really difficult there was a time loop and a wormhole and they had to keep repeating bits of their day as they were sort of hurtling towards disaster and oh my god so uh, I did use the Custard TV hive mind for some chit chat because I'm not an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. I know it exists in the Marvel Universe and I sort of know a little bit about it but not enough to have a conversation but actually I needn't have worried. What we actually talked about was what it was like when she was in halls at university and then I mentioned the fact that opposite the old drama campus is where they film doctors. (laughs) All's well that ends well eh? Dawn any anything exciting happened to you this week? I went to Asda. (laughs) (laughs) This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. And actually, one of the interviews that we did for the podcast slash website will come up later on. There is a connection between one of the shows that we are going to be reviewing. There's a cliffhanger there for, for people to hang on and listen. But first, what have we been watching at the moment, guys? Dawn, I'll start with you because it's been at least a week. I was going to say, I was trying to think up of a name for this Oh, oh, yes, Dawn. That's what you do with your week off. That's that's what I do (laughs) when I'm lying in bed luxuriating and not being on the podcast. I came up with one that I thought was really good. However, I googled it. It's already the name of a podcast and it's also in the Urban Dictionary. So it's a bit dodgy. It was Netflix and Spill. Uh, Yeah, it's a share. Spill. (laughs) Uh, I won't explain what Netflix and Spill is in the upper dictionary. Okay, okay, guys. And then I was like, what about catch up on catch up? Yeah. Uh, Maybe we just call it Gary's hard drive after he talked about that one. (laughs) 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 I think we'll all be in trouble, frankly, if we call it Gary's hard drive. (laughs) I don't want to be associated with it, thanks. Answers on the postcard, people. If you've got a suggestion here that isn't a slightly dodgy phrase or something that you would be arrested for, clearly. Uh, I've been catching up on a show called Watching, funnily enough. I've been watching Watching. Classic ITV sitcom from 1987 to, I think, about 1994, something like that. Anyway, I loved it. At the time, though, I decided to go back and watch it all. And I really loved it. It stood up well, starred co-stars Lee the Tarbuck, 
the two leads I would imagine most people won't have heard of Paul Bowne, uh, who appeared in something recently and people were like, oh, I, I recognise him. And the lead woman, Emma Ray, she went on to star in something with Dennis Waterman and then never worked again. But it's about a mismatched couple. He is a sort of geeky, nerdy bird watcher. She is a loudmouth Liverpool girl. And, you know, they're also, it's very sort of, it's a class sitcom because she's from Liverpool and he's from across the water and his mother doesn't approve. And it's basically just about them trying to get together and then not get together. You know, one of these on again, off again. But it's very sweet and very funny and a lot of it is like relevant because a lot of it's about unemployment and you know all the things that were going on in the Liverpool in the late 80s. Just for look, I went back and watched all of the patient as it was meant to be watched. <laughs> he, he can now sleep at night. He can sleep at night, yes, because he has asked me twice since then if I'd watched it. Yes, I have. <laughs> and and what did you make to it? Yeah, it was very good. I, I think I had got the meat from it if you know what I mean when I watched it the first time in Out of Order but it is good to see the development of Steve Carell's character coming to terms with his situation and his life and the fact that he probably isn't going to come out of this alive it could have been a play you know it could be mm. a, a, a three, basically three-hander play but you know there's there's not a lot of I mean there is some action obviously because it's about a serial killer it's very cerebral, isn't it? And it's very thoughtful and, and ponderous. And I, I like that sometimes. I just, I like people just thinking about life. It's, it's, you know, I enjoyed it. And Steve Carell is excellent. He can fill the screen by himself and it doesn't need much else. And I, I think that's quite a hard thing to do with so little. Because a lot of it, there isn't a lot of dialogue. You mm. know, it's about him realising what's going on and assessing the guy. Yeah, I, I was glad I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I think more people need to watch The Patient on Disney Plus now. Sarah, <laughs> anything you've watched this week? As I promised, I've been keeping track of Better, oh, which yeah. was a, a split decision on last time's podcast. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Did it get better? Not really. <laughs> I'm this what? invested now, though. I do want to know what happens. Was it the right hill to die on? <laughs> No, <laughs> it was close to the right hill, but it wasn't quite. No. Um, and uh, my cat has been watching Dogs in the Wild on BBC One. I'd never seen her more interested in a TV show in my life. She's not like jumping up against the screen or whatever, but she's she's on the sofa. She's watching everything. Her ears are up. Yeah, she's been really enjoying it. So we're going to watch another episode of that later. I've watched a couple more episodes of Extraordinary, which I know Dawn, you've watched all of as well. Yeah. It's Emma Moran, isn't it? The writer has run with the concept, but I think has thought about, you know, what sort of person would have what sort of power. For example, that scene where she's at the dentist and the dentist has got that power where she gives people their own soundtracks, which is an amazing power to have. I love how useless some of these powers are. And it's, it's just perfect, isn't it? It's Devon not... McSweeney's power is my favourite because, like, yeah. all parents are rubbish at using technology. So, what if your parents' power was to control technology, but they had no idea how to use it? I think that's genius. You turned anything into a PDA. I think that was my favourite one. <laughs> uh, it was the, the stepdad said, like, his brother didn't have a power, but then is now able to freeze everything. Still uses his freezer, but it's nice to know it's. <laughs> really refreshing it could have been a, a one joke body if you know what I mean with the powers as being the main thing but obviously that isn't it it's the characters that is the main thing but I read that when she created it she started off as just a, a mm. 20 somethings living in a flat and then the superpower thing was added later yeah. so I think maybe doing it that way has, has meant it's got a lot more body than mm. Thorne do you want to start with where we are on the shipyard we are uh, in limbo as ever. <laughs> as ever, technology hates us. We, the episode we recorded in Glasgow has no sound. Sometimes you start to think, does somebody really hate us up there? So we're having a, a break at the moment. Uh, hopefully we'll be back very soon. Uh, but you can catch up on our stuff on YouTube uh, at the Shipyard UST or on Twitter or Instagram. Tell us what you think of ships. 
Sarah. <laughs> Nothing new to plug, I'm afraid, because no. I've been on the podcast. So uh, you were <laughs> so <on> last week, <laughs> exactly. But if they didn't yeah. listen last week, what can you read up there? Uh, uh, you can have a look at my roundup of the last month, the seven shows that you should put on your catch-up list. And I go into some detail about the pleasure of the ending of Happy Valley and how you, how you stick an ending. And that's whynow.co.uk. Uh, and we, the Custard TV podcast, we're here every week. Uh, we've got almost about 500 episodes in the archive. So, you know, if you've got insomnia, or if, you, <laughs> if you're going on a long trip, you can uh, find them on all your podcast apps of choice. Please rate, review and subscribe. Yeah, and if you'd like to be part of the podcast, uh, there are lots of ways you can get in touch with us. At Custard TV Pod, at Matt's TV Bites, at Link Custard TV on Twitter. Custard TV Reviews at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, you can search us on Facebook and we are on Instagram. It's the Custard TV. That's it. <laughs> Now let's get to the reviews. Kind of a quiet week this week, so let's start with quite a gentle drama. This is the BBC's new offering of the week, Beyond Paradise. Now this is a spin-off of Death in Paradise. Uh, I don't know if this is the start of a extended universe for Death in Paradise or the dip you, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Marshall here is reprising his role as D.I. Humphrey Goodman, uh, who was the second lead of uh, Death Paradise after Ben Miller. Five years or so ago that, that Humphrey left the series when he went back to London, reunited with an ex-partner, Martha Lloyd, and we find them now they're engaged. They've moved out of London. He was with the Met Police and he's now gone to her hometown, Shipton Abbott, on the Devonshire coast, I believe. Uh, she's set on buying and running her own cafe and he's implemented as the new head of the local police force. Uh, his introduction to his colleague DS Esther Williams is a unique one after she finds him hanging from a tree. Keen to get stuck in Humphrey Mist. The rest of the small team, we've got the plucky but naive PC Kelby Hartford and the belligerent office support Margot Martins. He then takes on his first case, which is that of uh, Gwen Tyler, a woman who runs like a candle shop. Believe she was pushed from a ladder by the ghost of a legendary witch, Old Mother Eaton. However, as Humphrey and Esther's investigation goes on, it transpires there are a lot of people who are at odds with Gwen. Uh, so could the mystery be less supernatural than the victim first thought? Now, we were talking before we started, and our death in paradise knowledge isn't great. Um, Sarah's never seen an episode, and myself and Dawn's main knowledge of the show comes from our mothers. Um, <laughs> uh, fun fact, I believe this is one of, Death in Paradise is one of the first shows that Luke reviewed on the podcast back in 2011. That's how long it has been going. I'm not sure why it was the Chris Marshall character that, that came back. This is written by Tony Jordan, who's one of the exec producers on Death in Paradise, but possibly best known as the co-creator of Life on Mars. Let's go to Dawn first. Are you a fan of these, like, you know, these gentler sort of crime murder mysteries? And, and what did you make to Beyond Paradise? I, I'm not generally a fan of them, but it's nice to know they're there. It's, it's always nice to think, you know, if there's nothing else on, and I, I say I, I saw quite a few of the Ardell Hanlon ones, so it must have been on either before or after something else I watched, and I just watched it out of that kind of habit. It's one of these things, you can watch one episode and then never watch another one for two years, then watch another, and you can pick it up. So watching this, it feels very familiar as soon as you see it, because of it's set in Devon. It felt like um, Death in Paradise meets Dr. Mark is basically the same that, set. That's what I thought they were going for. Doc Martin sort of finished yeah. last year, so they, they obviously had that to work on. These are two popular programmes that people like. Let's mesh them. Exactly. A lot of these kind of shows, like, you know, Fish Out of Water shows, like Bally Kiss Angel and Monitor the Glen and stuff, a lot of them had, as my specialty, a big ship at the centre of them to keep people hooked because as I say you can watch one episode and then never watch another so this is interesting that it doesn't have that they're already together but I thought it was interesting that they've just had them as fianced rather than uh, married 
from what I could see from the trailer for the second episode, that's obviously something they're going to play with, is are they going to stay together? And yeah, they are currently staying with her mother, fabulous Barbara Flynn, and obviously there's that tension. In terms of the actual... Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. The U.S. Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash career slash USBP. Murder is the same as all of these, you know, he comes in. Not a murder, though, Dawn, I suppose is the big thing. And it looks like from reading the press pack, the crimes they're suggesting, none of them are murders there. Disappearances, um, like in this one, it was an attempted murder. Attempted murder, yeah. That's I didn't realize that. That's interesting because obviously it becomes a bit ridiculous if you're in a small town and somebody's murdered every week. So that makes more sense. I think that more believable sounds ridiculous in the kind of (laughs) sweet tweedness it is. You know, in Death in Paradise, the denouement is always that the detective can get everybody together and confronts them and says, You're the real murderer. Whereas in this one, it was like they went into the scenes. As he Mm. described what actually happened, they were like in the scenes, which I thought was something different. I don't think I've seen that before in a detective type thing. You know, it's pleasant. Well, it's not that pleasant. (laughs) Because I thought... (laughs) (laughs) Don't make your mind up. You know, the stuff about his fiancée, she's having IVF and she uh, suffers a miscarriage and that's quite, you know, that's quite bleak in a sense. So I, I think it's, it's, inter- very- it's a, I thought that it was an interesting yes. subplot for what otherwise would be a cosy 8pm yes. drama. Maybe that's why they wanted that in there, to make it feel maybe a little bit more realistic. Yeah, I agree, definitely. It's something unusual. I thought Sally Breton is really good. I mean, although I was thinking, she's playing exactly the same character she plays in, in Not Going Out. You know, the Putting up with a annoying man. <laughs> She's got a type. Yes. An overgrown man child. Yes. <laughs> um, can I just come in on um, the IVF and the, the sure. very sad miscarriage? I just did not expect a programme to do fart jokes at the dinner table and IVF tragedy in the same episode. Tonally, this is all over the place. I'm quite happy with cops and robbers and the the terrific scene at the beginning where there's a car chase and a boat chase. Brilliant. Really enjoyed that. And then it just becomes something quite different in these moments. And I was blindsided, frankly. (laughs) I didn't expect this. I'm not sure that it it works, but obviously, you know, Death in Paradise does. I I think maybe it's for the, as as Dawn said, like the people who'd obviously followed the relationship from... The Death in Paradise days, perhaps. And I, I thought the way that they did that scene at the end of the episode, the miscarriage, was, was a very particularly brutal way to do it. Not graphic, but hinted at graphicness, if you know what mm. I mean. In these kind of dramas, it'll just be somebody sitting on a hospital bed, tear up, and that's it. But that was much more visceral, I suppose. You know, it's very surprising for that kind of show. Uh, i totally forgotten about the part. Thanks like, for reminding me, Taylor. That was a bit, I was like, oh, I didn't I didn't like that bit. I thought it was a bit too stupid. But I think it's leaning into this character, isn't it? And this format that Death in Paradise follows. Sometimes the village has to import an idiot. But I, under- I understand that the shtick is dogged buffoonery. He's underappreciated until he catches the bad guy. Of course, he does every episode. So at least we haven't got a load of Caribbean people doffing their caps and calling him sir in this. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's a whole other argument, isn't it? About how Devon and Cornwall especially are not very um, multicultural. Very much like Midsummer, which got a bit of... Well, uh, they but... got into trouble for that, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say is it's like daytime TV. It's 
Shakespeare and Hathaway, it's Father Brown, just with a massive budget and really recognisable actors and actresses. One of the things I was thinking that, you know, Dawn, you mentioned Doc Martin was in that show, basically everyone is presented as an idiot apart from Doc Martin and his, his other half. Whereas in this, I thought actually they presented like the area more as this is a place where tourists come and we can rip them off with all, all this cheek tat and tales of witches and, and things like that. So actually, generally, the people that they met felt quite smart, with the exception of Dylan Llewellyn's mm. PC. Oh, isn't it nice to see him again, though? Yeah. I absolutely have such a soft spot for him and I think he's going to play this character very well. You know, having seen bits of Death in Paradise, you know, the detective is the lead. Then there's always a female DC who's mm. a bit smarter. Then there's who like... Who is smarter but still subordinate. And I'm not sure that I like that very much. And they always have then the younger cop and then they have like a fourth person. For the years it was the Danny John Jules character. They've now got a trainee officer in the this is in Death in Paradise and here represented by the brilliant Felicity Montague as the office support who I thought probably was the best character. Although it's very much the job I do in day to day and she didn't actually seem to know how to do her job until he turned up she, it sounds like she wasn't allowed to do her job until until he turned up she went oh can i check people's records but, but it's like to support the police you would need authorization to check the police systems that is what they do as a job what was she doing before like painting her nails yeah well they got surprised when the phones kept ringing didn't they yeah. <laughs> agree with both of you very gentle but with those little edges as like they have struggled to conceive for quite some time. Reading into it, I think the reason they were sort of fiancéed rather than married was because they're like sort of financially planning for, you know, getting her cafe and then finding somewhere to live. It looks like that they're going to be living on a houseboat, which is another obviously quirky element of this little world that we found ourselves in. I don't know if this is going to find like an audience who, who aren't familiar with Death in Paradise. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's an impetus to watch it. But as you say, Dawn, it's nice to know it's there. I think, mm. I think, I think we can sum it up as mostly harmless. Yeah. I enjoyed it while it was on. I think I tittered maybe at some of the humorous moments. and Beautiful to watch, isn't it? A fully it? formed, yeah, it felt like eyes. a fully formed world successful world i i mm. thought that you know we had to worry about our coastal towns and our high streets for deprivation and the market's busy they look like they're having a lovely time <laughs> it must have been the one week no one was filming a channel five documentary in exactly in yeah uh, we move now to sarah's favorite channel itvx which she seems to just cover constantly <laughs> she comes on this podcast <laughs> This is called uh, You and Me. It's by a new writer, Jamie Davis, who was previously an actor in Oddly Casualty and also one of Luke's favourite shows from the early 2000s, Footballers' Wives. This also has got involvement from Russell T. Davis, who's one of the producers, and uh, Dominic Treadwell Collins, whose production company, Happy Prince. Sarah Kennedy will be filling us in on the plot, but be aware there are going to be some spoilers here. So I would uh, rollick along the podcast if you don't want to know what happens in the show. Thank you for the spoiler warning and thank you for stealing a lot of interesting facts that I was going to oh, tell sorry. people about the show. <laughs> I can tell you who Jamie Davis played in Casualty. It was Max the Porter. There you go. <laughs> and this is his first script. And obviously he knows all the right people in the industry. It looks to be a rom-com. It's joyful. It's cute. There's a sliding doors moment as Jess doesn't get on the bus and she meets Ben and, and we see them go on a date. Their whole relationship is covered in about 10 minutes and it's lovely and it's warm and it's really nice. But then we also have moments of sad Ben dropped in as he's remembering or living his happy life at the same time it's sliding doors is very confusing i'm immediately confused but they're messing around with this on purpose so we can see that there's going to be a catalyst and we're going to figure out what's going on in a moment just give it a little bit of time he's got this fairy tale whirlwind relationship with jess who is played by sophia brown i'm immediately taken with ben because of his lovely voice that's harry naughty really lovely voice and every day in his memory is like a beautiful summer and they're going to get a brand new family and it's going to be twins. And we have this instinctual fear, especially in a female viewer, I think, of dead babies. 
because twins, you know, that that's a uh, more of a risky pregnancy. They're fine. There's a moment where they're absolutely not fine, but the NHS saves them. Hurrah! And then uh, something terrible and faintly silly happens. Uh, lovely Jess is involved in a car crash outside of the hospital immediately as, as they're in the taxi. The when they're yeah. getting in the taxi, he's gone to get the bag and someone yeah. right outside the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does seem ridiculous, slightly unbelievable even. But I am here to tell you from my widow friends, and I have many widow friends these days, shout out to my wids, that stupid bad shit happens every day when you least expect it. Ridiculous things like this, like, do actually happen. So, you know, I am going to cut Jamie Davis a bit of slack on that one. It was a bit on the nose. (laughs) And his wife doesn't make it. Uh, The children do, which I think is kind of a... it's, it's a treat for the viewer. We're dealing with the death of this woman. And as we're playing with flashbacks still, we get to see his children and they're fine. They're beautiful twins. They're about eight, nine, ten, maybe. Six, I think. Six. OK. Well, I, don't, I don't have kids. Can you tell? Um, <laughs> but they look happy and healthy, you know, and they're being looked after by dad and his mum. Surname I can never pronounce. Julie Hesman Hall. Thank you. <laughs> It's too many letters. I can't cope with it. Um, she's the perfect sort of no-nonsense grandma for this situation. Uh, but I really hope that they're not using Jess as a handy shorthand for the sad, brave man, though. And that in flashbacks, we do actually get to see her fleshed out as a real character. I would like to know what Jamie Davis knows about grief. I would like to see his grief credentials, if at all possible. <laughs> I think he did it well. It made me bristle when grandma was shouting at him, move on and his his friends were getting him out into the pub because now is the time you got to hook up with somebody I'm like I don't see how he's got time for dating with young twins their grief their needs never mind the emotional capacity to do work on himself before he gets into another relationship Um, and I did like it was very Russell T Davis when he describes grief as glitter the remnants of a glitter party that you think you've tidied up and then you move an object and there's glitter and you come apart again. That was really quite nice, actually. That made me a little bit sniffly when they did that. I liked it. It's warm. It's charming. It's suburban. There's very twee sort of things going on. Uh, lovely music and this misleading title. And I think that quite a lot of people, if they give it a chance, if they give it that first 10 minutes, they are going to be quite shocked by what happens. Feels like they're doing the dirty on the people who've come to watch a nice, is it Friends? Is it 20-somethings finding their way in the big city is it a sexy threesome what happens you know the uh, press pack and the stuff that's gone out to journalists has been very sneaky and I would would very much like to see other people's reactions to it you mentioned that Sarah and we were talking about it before that the main picture for this is the three lead characters so did you mention Emma as well who's the Uh, no I didn't get on to Emma I'm sorry so at the very end um, Emma is introduced in a silly, socially awkward way that Death in Paradise would be proud of. Um, this is Jessica Barden, who we know from the end of the epic world. Uh, she's a rising star in theatre, and it feels like this is going to be Ben's next relationship. He's the journalist who's come to interview her, and as you say, he goes to the wrong table and tries to interview someone else. And yeah, so it's those three characters sort of falling through the air. I don't know if that, you know, a, a metaphor for the characters' lives being up in the air. You described it very well there, Sarah, because it is a sort of hard show to describe that you've got these two sort of separate timelines constantly. So the audience is almost having to guess what's happened to Ben, because in the one timeline you've got these three years of their romance that you only learn it's been three years when he delivers a very strange eulogy at her funeral, I thought personally, where he he went through a lot of plot quite quickly. So you've got that, you've got the, we're together, we've got a flat, I've got promotion, I'm pregnant, it's twins, meeting the parents, all that. And then on the other side, you're trying to guess what's happened in this timeline because he's all depressed Initially, I thought the meet cute at the beginning is them both running for a bus and then them finding out that they're getting on different buses and then him convincing her to go on like this date with him where they're both drinking on the bus. Then I felt, well, what is this other timeline where 
she he doesn't get on the bus and he doesn't meet her and is this mm. where he's going to meet the other woman and then we get the two different timelines I but think then, you wrote a more interesting um, show poss- in your head possibly, there. I like possibly. <laughs> then, as Sarah said, you know, we get the tragedy that's happened. Initially, we think, does one of the twins die? Because we have this thing where there's no heartbeat or very faint heartbeat. And then in the more recent scenes, they reveal that both of the children are alive, which I felt was a little bit tacky, maybe. It's like, oh, is this young infant dead? No, ha they're alive in, in, in the present day. And you mentioned the music. I thought that was very, very twee to me. And it, I, I hate to give him praise, but Luke always has this thing about being very aware that you're watching a TV show. And I felt that throughout this, that it was being a little bit too clever for its own good. I agree with Sarah. Julie Hesman Hall, I would love her as my mum. Not that I don't like my own mum. She's great, but, you know... <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you were to say, who would you like to be your TV mom? This is the perfect TV Especially mom. If you're- especially if you're dealing with like a shock tragedy and a load of responsibility that you weren't expecting, you've got to have someone who's going to come round and make your tea and give you a hug and then tell you to crack on, you know, someone who's no nonsense. But I just thought you could tell that this was a first time script and I'm surprised from reading around it that Russell T Davis basically did another run at it after reading the, the dra- you know, he sent it to Russell T mm. Davis. He said, this is brilliant, but do this, do this, do this. As far as I understand oh. from reading that. I give it my full widow approval then because Russell T Davis was recently widowed. So he knows a thing or two. And of course, you know, it's a sin and stuff like that. You can tell he knows a thing or two about grief. I was just reading Jamie Davis's interview and I don't think he, he talks about I was going through a really good time, but I was thinking, what's the worst thing that could happen? Uh, But I think for me, A, I was really looking forward to seeing Jessica Barden and she only popped up in the last two minutes. I really fell out with it when the last line of this first episode was her character saying, so what happens next? Everything's a bit too cute. Everything's a bit, oh, you don't know what's going to happen next. And all we're doing two timelines. Yeah, it was just all a bit much for me. But I know someone who wasn't it, it wasn't a bit too much for is Dawn Glenn, who watched all episodes about four o'clock this morning. Is that right, Dawn? I don't think in watching any show for the, the podcast that I've cried. And I cried several oh. times during this. I don't think it was just because it was the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think what I could compare it to. It's very Richard Curtis, I think. He often has a death in his, his rom-com. It's a rom-com without the com. There's not a lot of comedy in it. There are light stuff, and a lot of that comes from Julie Hesmanhal's character. From reading the description, because I, I, I read the press pack first, and I was like, okay, this is going to be maybe a story told from three different points of view, and we find out how they converge at the end. And that's not really how it goes. But... It is about grief, and it's not a huge spoiler to say that Jessica Barden's character, Emma, has also suffered a big loss. So it's about different kinds of of grief, you know, different relationships you have. The mothers of each character is very important. So there's a lot about parents, uh, Ben, you know, parenting his children. Was it Andy Osho who played her mum? Very good, and Emma's mum, but she's very relevant as well in the last two episodes so it's a strange thing in that it is very emotional 
And I was watching it a bit like how I feel when I watch a Hallmark movie where I go, I'm being emotionally manipulated here. I can see it. It's very obvious. But also, I still cry. So <laughs> I, I do that too, all the time. I was aware of how manipulative and soppy it is. And I won't say what the ending is, but it is a massive rom-com trope. Massive, you know, Richard Curtis moment. So it's very heavy on the, the rom. I, I thought, thought it was engaging and not a, a deep thought, but nice to have um, an exploration of family relationships. You see uh, Ben a couple of times with his friends, but not much. It's all about the families, which is quite unusual for a love story with young characters. Normally they're surrounded by a group of quirky friends. So to have it all be about their mothers and their siblings, that was something a bit different. I, I like that aspect of it. And the performances are all good. It's, it has a weird sort of airy quality, a very sort of melodic and dreamy, mm. very beautiful views of London, made London mm. look very pretty, lots of apart. <laughs> I don't know which part. Oh, but, uh, oh, I know I know what it is. I know what it is. It, uh, this isn't starstruck. It's carstruck. Hey! <laughs> Inappropriate <laughs> joke of the podcast. Thank you. Because that was it. They made London look romantic and beautiful yeah. and exactly out of a Richard Curtis film. Yeah, and they've done the same with this. One thing I really was disappointed in, and they didn't go that route at all, was I thought we were going to have a lot more about him as a single dad raising two mixed race children and how he as a white man coped with that. There is a small mention of that in the third episode where Andy Osho's character is talking about doing his daughter's hair. You know, he doesn't know how to do afro hair. But other than that, there is no mention of it. So it's very, um, the fact that that, um, Jess uh, was black and that his children are mixed race isn't really mentioned at all. And I thought that would have been something interesting. You know, how does he as a, a white father make sure his children are raised with the culture that they should be raised, that their mother would have raised them with. Um, that feels like a real missed opportunity. I think that could have added a lot of depth to it that it was was missing. It's another show that's okay to have on. It's pleasant. It passes the time. It's I I, I was engaged enough to, to watch all of them. In the mm, of clearly. Them. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't feel like a chore. So mm. maybe it's better going into it knowing what we've revealed. Yeah. Uh, so your expectations are set differently. It's going to intrigue people, but it's also going to disappoint a lot of people. And I'm not sure that, I mean, you shouldn't put spoiler warnings on everything, obviously, because you need to be able to tell a story. But that rug pull, you know, if you mm. know someone who has been in a traffic collision or someone who's gone through a difficult pregnancy, it might well turn people off. It might turn people onto Twitter to have a bit of a shout about it. And we don't really want that. <laughs> I found it a bit tacky just in terms of who died. That was the big thing for yeah. a while. I was like, who dies? Is it one twin? Is it both twins? Is it the wife? Is it all three of them? They mm. gradually <laughs> revealed that the two kids were alive. And they I think that's what put that. me off it. In- they played with that deliberately. Yeah. And that's mm. sort of what put me off it a little bit. I, get, I agree it was an easy watch. I did, you know, I, I did it all in one sitting and it's it's perfectly fine and as you say i think again it's it's the sort of the theme of the week <laughs> pleasant enough pleasant enough couple of moments in there that did have some depth and some heart to it mm. and i mean if it's three episodes i've watched a third already i may as well yeah. stick the rest of them on <laughs> but again itvx a lot of people don't know it's not there so probably when it pops up on itv one or two sometime in the next year it probably get more traction then perhaps but yeah that's you and me now moving on to disney plus this is fleischman is in trouble originally airing on fx Uh, this is something with a young single man who has got some quirky friends and uh, we have got dawn glenn to set it up for us toby fleischman who's played by jesse eisenberg as people know from zombie land he's a recently divorced doctor he's a liver specialist he was married to Rachel, who is Claire Danes, for 15 years. Their marriage has ended and he is coming to terms with life after divorce, living in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Rachel is more well-to-do than he. 
and they live in a, a culture where being a doctor is looked down upon because you're not rich enough. Toby was bereft at first until his young colleagues pointed him to dating apps and he discovered a whole world uh, of women who are waiting to throw themselves at him, seemingly hundreds. And so he's been coping by uh, having lots of one-night stands. Then one day he wakes up to discover his children are there unexpectedly. His wife has dropped them off at four o'clock in the morning because she said she is unexpectedly going to a yoga retreat and so he's got them a day early. He's obviously grumpy about this. We see him and he's at work at the hospital where he saves a woman's life because she been written off by younger doctors who just assume she's an alcoholic. Turns out, no, she has a rare disease. And of course, he spots it and says, listen to your patients. This is the theme of the entire show is about women not being listened to and not being given the chance to <laughs> express themselves and the underlying theme of what caused the breakup of his marriage. He meets up with two friends that he had lost touch with during his marriage. Uh, Libby, who is a writer, played by Elizabeth Kaplan, and Seth, who's a good-bro-money-type guy, uh, played by Adam Brody. They meet up regularly where they have a good bitch about his uh, ex-wife and his state, and we discovered that Libby has, is narrating the series and why that is comes into it over time, but the fact she's a writer is obviously a big clue. She's writing about it. Uh, as the day goes on and he's dealing with problems with his kids, the typical things, he has to take them to day camp and uh, his daughter is very unhappy about having to ride a bus. Why can't we just go to cab? And they're supposed to be going to a show with one of her rich friend's daughters and his wife, Rachel, does not turn up. So he takes them back to his place and suddenly he realises he hasn't heard from Rachel for some time. And she's not replying to any of his messages. And where is she? That becomes uh, just as <laughs> one of his the ladies he sleeps with comes to the door uh, in not very much and terrifies his young children. And we're left with him calling um, Rachel and asking where she is. I have to say, I really didn't enjoy this. <laughs> I'll go first and say I did not like it. It seemed a bit to me like boo-hoo, rich people have problems too. Um, which I found very hard to connect with, especially the last show we're going to be talking about I'd watched before. And in comparison, it was a bit sublime to the ridiculous. And I just, I didn't care. So after I watched it, I decided to read about it and I read reviews and I thought, well, it's getting a lot of really good reviews. So it, it appeals to somebody. <laughs> it's just not me. It's very Woody Allen-esque, neurotic, Upper uh, middle class, upper class, the Jewish male psyche, Woody Allen's classic, you know, sexuality and and the narration as well was very Woody Allen. Yeah, how he is as a man, his his masculinity and his virility and all this stuff, and it's just not my kind of thing. And I I didn't like anybody very much. Maybe as it goes on, they've got more depth, but as I say. From what I've read, it's meant to be about the fact of why his relationship has broken up, um, what is, is going on with his ex-wife, what is going on mentally with her. And I just thought, well, let women tell the story. Why do we have to tell women's story through a man? It's written by a woman, though, isn't it? Yeah. Which I thought was really odd. I don't know. It's just, as you say, like, let the woman... And it's narrated by a woman, it's written by a woman, but then it's focusing on this... and. Full disclosure, Dawn, I completely agree with everything you said. People who listen to the podcast on a regular basis know that rich people's problems is like my nadir. I just... Jesse Eisenberg is a hard screen presence to get on with at the best of times. The writer, I don't know if she has experiences of dating apps or if she's just heard about them, but it's just like, was there an explanation about why all these women were attracted to him? Is it because he was a divorced doctor, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah. Is that what is that what they were saying? Is that the subtext that he was never any good with women when he was younger, but now he's qualified as a doctor? All these women are sending him photos of their areas, and 
I think Lizzie Kaplan's character was the more interesting person in this. I would have liked her to be the central character and then, you know, Fleischman and the Adam Brody character to be her two really annoying friends who just talk about their single life. And she, because the thing seems to be that she is upset that she's sort of in a rut now, married to your man from How I Met Your Mother. And just, I'm not the person I used to be. And here's someone who's gone through a divorce and is now sort of like living their lives. Why can't I do that? That is the more interesting story to me, focusing on Fleischman and his really annoying daughter, who is really annoying, and his son, who's just a bit weird. All these characters I just couldn't get on with. I was just sort of zoning out while watching it. The last two shows we talked about, they were pleasant enough to watch. This I felt actively angry watching and just by the end I was like, thank God that's over. I wasn't as annoyed as you guys about this one. (laughs) I don't know why, in particular, that Toby set up as quite a sympathetic character. He's like a middle-of-the-road kind of grey house because he's getting, he's like, you must listen to the patient, you know, and he's got his little team around him and stuff. Oh, Dr. House, I just thought you meant a house. No, not a house. House. House MD to give it its full title, sorry. I quite like the idea of an overwhelming summer of sexual liberation. Where can I sign up, please? They showed you how he signed up. But I'm not a a rich doctor. (laughs) And I'm not even a man, so, you know, I don't think that would work for me. Um, He does seem to be mentally quite healthy, which I don't think I was expecting. He's rebuilding his confidence. He's going to therapy. He's reconnecting with his old friends. That was a shock moment when the nice lady doing the reassuring bookish voiceover is revealed to be a major character in it. I thought that was a bit odd. A plus point, I think, is must have been what they've used for the poster and the trailers and everything. The upside down city skyscrapers, skyscrapers rather. I thought that was really nice. Um, And I can see why they keep going back to that because it's very beautiful. And shorthand for his world being upside down. Not bothered about the kids in any way, especially not the spoiled bratty daughter. But if you're going to hang around horrible rich people, you're like, don't be surprised if your child becomes a horrible rich person. Uh, interesting to know that everybody hated Rachel. Poor Rachel. <laughs> she hasn't had chance on screen to like do anything other than be a sort of angry divorcee. And um, will she? I get the impression well, exactly. she's not in the series and that's why Fleischman is yeah. in trouble. Yeah, oh, she is. There's a there's a whole episode from her point of view where we find out. Dawn is very very good at doing her homework. She always I know, puts everybody I, that's else. That's what in I shape. thought. I was like, hang on, Turns did she out watch more? Something that she hates, she'll watch <laughs> because she feels she must. Would you yeah. carry on watching this? I suppose is the big question. No, probably no, not. Okay. <laughs> I was just very meh about it. Okay. Very. And I think that's the feeling I've had for most of these shows. <laughs> it's very meh week, isn't it? <laughs> that is all there on Disney Plus now, I believe. Uh, Fleischman is in trouble. And finally, um, something a little bit different this week. Uh, the Reluctant Traveller. It's a travel show, oddly, on Apple TV Plus. Uh, Eugene Levy. Basically, as the title would suggest, he is a reluctant traveller. I mean, I'm just going to read off the quick press release here from the... Uh, the production company. Eugene Levy visits some of the world's most remarkable hotels as well as explores the people, places and culture that surround them. Self-confessedly not your average travel show host. He's not usually adventurous or well-versed in globetrotting. He's agreed the time is right for him to broaden his horizons. Levy will be packing his suitcase with some trepidation but hoping his experiences might lead to a whole new chapter in his life. That's as long as he doesn't have to battle his motion sickness and still gets dinner at seven. It's actually produced by a British company called 2-4, who've done a lot of documentaries over the last 10 years. And the executive producer is the person we've interviewed before on the podcast, a man by the name of David Brindley, who was one of the directors of Educating Yorkshire about 10 years ago. So oh, no you, can find, you can find that in the archives. Yeah, he's he's gone far in the world. It was after he appeared on the Cluster TV podcast. Of course. <laughs> All, all of his success to us. I mean, this is very much your sort of, again, reluctant tourist, almost going back to like Deathly Paradise and Bear Miller. I'm surprised that Eugene Levy is 75. He's always yeah. sort of seemed like middle-aged to me. I believe uh, someone watched three episodes of this. I'm guessing it was Dawn. The first episode, he's in, well, Finland, but they say Lapland. You know, he does the normal eating some reindeer he's not sure about eating reindeer he likes the reindeer 
you know, he gets pulled along by some huskies, does some ice swimming, but in a massive, like, wetsuit. So what's the point? Dawn, you watched <laughs> on and watched a couple more? Yes, I did. It's not what I expected it to be, because I thought it was going to be a travel thing, a bit like Travel Man or something like that, where they show you things you should visit, you know, you should go here. But it, it's much more about him looking at how other people live their lives, how people in these different places around the world, how they earn their living, you know, the, how many of them are living off the land, communing with nature as part of their, as their whole life philosophy. And each one has a, a word, you know, that sums up their attitude to life. In Finland, it's uh, Sisu, I think, which means inner strength. And in Costa Rica, it's uh, Pura Vida, which I think is about finding finding your happiness. So it's much more of a, I don't know, something a bit more that Sue Perkins kind of does, that kind of getting to know people in these areas rather than look at this lovely view. You know what I mean? There's lots of that. It is lush to look at. I, I was a bit worried that at the start of it, I am someone who, I cannot travel because of, of physical reasons, but even if I could, I wouldn't want to. <laughs> so I, I fell on the minute with Eugene Levy. I'm like, I want my own bed, I want Wi-Fi, I want a flushing toilet. <laughs> Anything taken away. Not very much like my mother, that was. <laughs> she won't stay anywhere unless it's got an ensuite. Oh, I'm with your mother all the way. <laughs> what I was worried about was that in these times of financial crisis, it was going to be a bit of a cheat to take someone who doesn't want to go to all these really luxurious places. It's a bit like, wow, there's lots of people who would love to go to these places, you don't want to. But it doesn't feel like that at all. It's about him getting to know people in different ways of life. And he is charming and lovely. The the moment when he's floating in the ice and he's laughing is just joyous, you know, because he is finally letting go of it. One thing I did think was it's very obviously for an American market because a lot of mm. the stuff they were information they were giving you like, yes, we know that about Finland, yes. Finland is half the size of Texas. Oh, well, that's not really very helpful uh, to anyone who maybe lives outside of Texas. (laughs) As I say, British production company as well. So maybe they are aping some of the, like the Richard Ayoade travel man. There is some allusion there between them. Sorry, Sarah, go. No, I was just going to say that I'm really pleased that Dawn said that it becomes less about Eugene Levy because... The whole concept just made me bristle. I mean, I get it when he says hardy and resilient are two words that have never been used to describe me. And I'm like, same, mate, same. But he's leaning into the characters that he's always been known for. He's flustered. He's uncomfortable. But he's like an actor who's been in so many different films and TV shows. I can't believe that he's not at least an experienced traveller inoculated against the deprivations and inconveniences is somewhat and I think it's a really hard line to walk as a travel presenter if you're too arch and knowing and too detached or too anxious you don't have a good time and it shows on the camera but the distance and the fish out of water sort of out of your comfort zone thing is where the entertainment is and like you were saying he's in the most delightful hotels meeting the most wonderful people having the time of his life it just made me a little bit cross. It's it's rich people problems, the documentary. <laughs> and I just bleh, didn't like it very much. For joyful TV, it made me want to go back and watch Phil Rosenthal on Somebody Feed Phil. I think it's because he checks his privilege. He knows that he's a rich TV producer and writer from Los Angeles. And he always makes the travel shows that he does about the people and the city and the food and his stupid rubber-faced expressions as he eats the thing you know and it's highbrow lowbrow food you know and he just gets his hands dirty and that's what I want from a travel show yeah if it was going to be Eugene Levy just complaining about stuff as beautiful as it looks and the money is on the screen lads it's incredible I didn't want to get involved I left Finland because I'm like well he's done the things this is very boring you know the authentic Finnish experiences that everybody must have that every travel show would do 
And I looked at Venice and I can't imagine for a moment that Venice would make anybody nervous to travel in. Unless you can't swim or you're deathly afraid of canals. But then at the very start of that one, he seems to conjure up some existential dread about the city sinking and the river levels rising. And I'm like, OK, fair play. <laughs> but I don't really buy the premise of it at all. I don't know. It, it's, it left me wanting. Richard Iowadi mm. as an angry man forced mm. to travel... I believe that. <laughs> what do? Because I've not really watched not Joe Lycett do it, but I know you. You're a Joe oh, Lycett fan, aren't you? He just kind of basically goes around the world and compares every city to Birmingham, and it's brilliant for someone who lives in Birmingham. It's hilarious. So like but I'm you. not sure that anybody else. <laughs> he's like, oh well, this is like I don't know. This is like Madrid's Mosley, and I go, yes, Joe, it is, isn't it? I'm not sure that anyone from like Bath or Glasgow would necessarily enjoy it in the same way that I do. <laughs> I mean, this is very much playing on his star persona, isn't it? And I think possibly it needs a it's travel his, man. It's Shit's Creek character. It's mm. it's no, no or more. Or his no American way. Pie character. You know, he well, is indeed. the yeah. <laughs> suburban dad slash granddad supplanted in all of these countries around the world and forced to do the things that we've seen in all the other travel programs before but it's the reluctant traveler with eugene levy and maybe it did need another presenter like they do on travel man you know he has a guest each week or some you know someone someone who's actually gonna Mm. camp in the wilderness and not stay in the five star six star hotels (laughs) it wasn't enough of one thing or the other for me yeah, I, I did agree with Dawn, like he seemed to genuinely like the people that he was with. And I think it was about the people encouraging him to do things and him getting to know them more than this is what you can do when you come to Finland. You know, I don't think they ever saw the Northern Lights, for example, did they? But it was mainly, as you say, about the experiences, you know, doing all these shots of vodka being really jealous about this child catching more fish than he did things he like did that his, he I... did his dad joke about the northern lights his, his dad joke about the northern lights was uh, to the hotel owner wasn't it he went oh and do i get a refund if they don't come up you know like you, you, your classic dad joke stuff mm. that's what we're, we're in dad joke territory it's not so certainly as brits we've seen a lot of this before i can't i i don't know you mentioned a show there uh, that i've not seen the the, the phil rosenthal series Oh, it's um, brilliant. Really, really good. But I, d- I don't know if, like, the Americans have as many shows like this, you know. And, well, and Americans I... don't like to travel quite no. so much as the <laughs> Europeans. Should we... I it's mean, a big that, country. That is... They could just stay there. <laughs> and they do. The ones I've met, anyway. <laughs> Admittedly, this is, like, 20 years ago now, but one guy I, I met genuinely said, well, why would I get a passport? Everything I want is right here. That attitude is, is kind of a bit infamous for, for certain parts of America. And there's certain people in Britain as well who would have the same. True. Uh, or they, those are the people who go to Spain but just stay in all the, the areas where they do the fry-ups and things. But I think Sarah alluded to, really, that this lives or dies on how much you can tolerate Eugene Levy and, like, his persona because that is basically what you're getting here. And it is nice to see him bond with the people he meets, but I think there's nothing really new here that you're going to get out of it but i think it's it's a bit of a coup for apple to get this and yeah i think i think it'll do well it feels like the americans are being held by the hand into the world of documentaries that we have in britain and this is their Mm. easy in using eugene levy to be like oh yeah i don't want to do this but i will as this sort of shtick yeah yeah and as you said like all the comparisons are very american and yeah um because so they'll be going, where's Finland? Because they <laughs> yeah. did refer to it as Lapland for most of it, didn't they? It's like yeah. I'm surprised there wasn't something to do with Santa at some point. Finland's quite complicated though, because isn't Finland is Lapland and Lapland is Finland, or part of it is, or something? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's like the north politically. Part. Yeah. Politically, it's quite complicated, I think. Well, that is on Apple TV from Friday, uh, so that'll be tomorrow, I think, when this goes up. So, uh, yeah, that's another podcast in the books. Thank you very much uh, for listening, and thank you to Dawn and Sarah. Would you just like to quickly go through where we can find you, your podcast, your writing, and so forth? You can find me on Twitter at DawnGlenn2 or at The Shipyard UST, which is also the title on uh, YouTube and Instagram 
and Spotify and all other places you can get e-podcasts. I'm on Twitter at Sarah Hamstera. And uh, yeah, thecustardtv.com, at custardtvpod, at LukeCustardTV, at MattsTVBytes. Instagram, it's the Custard TV, uh, Facebook, and uh, the email, as I said before, Custard TV reviews at gmail.com. We will be back next week. Uh, the big review next week is the return of Unforgotten. So that's to look forward to. But until, <laughs> until next time, goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realize that they're not alone. Search the Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. <laughs>